Unity and maturity in the body of Christ. The definition of maturity is the state, fact, or period of being mature. Similar words are adulthood, full growth, majority, coming of age, matureness. The state of being fully developed or adult. There are physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual maturities. To mature is to reach the most advanced stage in a process. Definition of unity, the state of being united or joined as a whole. We'll come back to that here in a little bit. So we're going to go ahead and read the text, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, starting in 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascend mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by the waves of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So today, we're going to dive into this. We can go so deep in this, and we're going to continue to go deeper into this throughout the year, but right now, we're just going to kind of get... You know, we're going to put our feet in the water a little bit so that we have something to begin to start thinking about, something to grow from, something to begin to learn and grow from that. So why, why am I sharing this with you? Well, here's the thing. They've done studies, and so people who haven't been to church or who have been hurt by church or whatever, when they come on a Sunday morning to check a church out, you get one chance. You get one chance to make an impression on them. And I mean, there's a lot of aspects we're talking about. We're talking about are the grounds kept up? Are the people friendly? Was I spiritually fed? You get one chance to make that impact of whether they're going to grace your doors again and you get an opportunity to minister to them. So we have to be the mature church. We have to be united. We have to be flowing. We need to know what other people are thinking and like doing and, and, and get in the flow. I've been, I'm in this mentor program and I've been reading these books and it blows my mind stories that pastors share about things that they had to go through in churches. I mean, stories of like, like they wanted to paint the nursery, but great grandma Ruth painted that nursery and she picked the color out and 
churches having splits over painting a stinking nursery. But these happen. To me, that is not a mature church. To go have a church split over painting a nursery. But if you read, you will see that church after church has these things happening. Okay? That's a lack of maturity. When people come into this church, as a church, we, don't need, we need to be mature. We don't need to be immature. So if someone shows up and they are mentally ill, got depression, oppression, hiring a kite, it doesn't matter. We need to be mature and we need to respond maturely. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be put out. We need to be prepared. That's what, that to me, that's part of what being mature is. You're prepared and you're trusting on the Holy Spirit to help you and to lead you and to guide you through these things. Because here's the thing. It's, it's, the world is only going to get worse, right? And so the church, he's preparing us to become, to be able to shine brighter in this world, to be able to, to meet those needs. We're going to have more and more people come in. So Randy and I, we went to a minister's um, Went to the North Sectional Minister's Lunch Thursday night. Normally, we're there 30 minutes before so we can socialize, network, meet and greet, have fun, all that stuff. She wasn't feeling good. I got distracted. So we were running late, right? So as we're walking in, she's like, we're late. I don't like being late. And I said, yeah, but the good news is, as I said, we don't even have to pick our seat. I'm like, we're just going to get to set wherever their seats are left because we got there like three minutes late, right? So this is the second time we've had a lunch there. And so we walk in, all the tables are full, I walk over here, I'm going to sit down by some pastors I know, and they're like, oh, our whole staff's sitting here, and I'm like, all right, love you, go back over here, where am I supposed to sit? So in the back center, which was the table that we sat at the last time we were there, and the last time we were there, I know God orchestrated her and I to sit there because he wanted and needed us to have the conversations with these pastors and missionaries that we have. I'm not going to go into detail about it, but it was like, okay, God, you brought this together, okay? Same thing happened this night. So we're sitting there. Over here at this table is six pastors from one church who are all family. They're Romanian. And so we sat with this pastor's son, right? So like, I start talking to him. We have so many things in common. It's not even funny. His dad's a pastor. He's a pastor. I'm a pastor. He'd worked in the healthcare industry. Well, we get to talk to him, and they, they pastor the Ebenezer Romanian Church over here on East Street. Anybody ever drove by it? Anybody know where it's at? Anybody know what they do over there? Anybody know what, they, what they're doing over there? Well, they, got, they, feed, they, feed, they feed the homeless like crazy. Like ev- huh? They got about 250 homeless people that are coming in, into the church on Sunday night that they're feeding. So I sit there and I pick this guy's brain. I'm like, well, I'm like, man, I'm like, if you're having 250 homeless people come in and you don't know anything about it, I'm asking him about security. What, dude, they hire, they hire a security team. He don't want to worry about it. He wants to preach the gospel and minister to people. And he told me, hey, if my security team, they're professionals in security, if they think somebody's too, acting too violent or not complying enough, they just ask them to leave. I trust their judgment. But that's a lot of people to try to manage. So I'm sitting there talking to him more, and I was like, well, do you, have, do you have weird stuff going on? You got people showing up demonically oppressed and possessed and, and manifestations all the time, he said. Okay? That's what he said. All the time. Said they got witches showing up in their church trying to do weird stuff. Because, and so we got to talking to him more. And I'm like, man, I'm like, 
sit there talking to him, and I'm like, and I asked him, I looked him square in the eye, and I said, do you find that when you are 100% obedient, doing what God asks you to do by, by going on this mission, that God takes care of everything else? Right? Meaning those, that, those, that, those meals don't just show up and get made. It takes money. Takes people, right? So they're they're relying on God, and it happens. But here's what really blew my mind. I asked him. I was like, "Man, I'm like, how do you, you know, how are you guys, how are you guys preparing for that level of ministry?" Okay, I'm just saying, you got 250 people from the street who more than likely are under the influence of alcohol or drugs, demonically oppressed, mentally ill, walking into your church. How are you mature enough and ready to meet that? And you know what he told me? He said, on Sunday morning, all the staff members and all the pastors of that church, they show up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and they pray till 8. And then at 8 o'clock, now I'm not, we're not going to start anything at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm just, <laughs> I'm an early bird. I'm just telling you what they're doing as far as the level of maturity and what it's going to take to become, to have victory, right? So they pray from five to eight. And then they have discipleship. Then they have church. Oh, they don't eat on Sundays either. They all fast, just FYI. That's what they do. That's what the Lord told them to do. And then after church, after church, he said they have like a 15-minute rest. And then guess what? They pray again all day. So they are at the church from 5 a.m. to 8.30 p.m., and then they have a three thirty service again that afternoon, and he's like, "Y'all just need to come on over with." It. He's like, "Come on over to three thirty service, and 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 you know we'll pray with you." And I just thought that was so cool to just be like, "All right, okay." And man, I thought we was man Tuesday morning. I get up, I got a good, I got a good forty five minutes of prayer in, you know, Monday through Friday and Saturday, and 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 out we, we're at like fifteen minutes past eleven on most. Tuesdays, we, we're sitting here and, and we just don't want to leave. But usually somebody gets hungry or one of us is like, has to get up and one of us is like, all right, I got things to do. We start heading towards the door. But that's what the mature church looks like, preparing for it as we mature. So when you go back to the beginning of that scripture, it says we are a prisoner for the Lord. And so we, a person, a definition of a prisoner is a person I'm not going to read all of them, but a person who is or feels confined or trapped by a situation or a set of circumstances, well, we are traps, maybe not necessarily a good word, but if we choose to follow Jesus, then we're committed to this thing until we take our last breath to be out sharing the gospel. Friday, so... The way we set the church phones up, we have an app called Sideline. And so the way Sideline works is the daycare and the church, you can get a hold of us on the same phone number, 708-2310, which 2310 is the last four of the address, right? So Sideline has advantages and disadvantages. Um, one of the advantages is that um, you can text through it, right? And so um, we, it's interesting if we pulled you, if we, if we pulled some of the sideline conversations that come through the church, it would probably surprise you, okay? Because what we're finding happens is when somebody's hurting or somebody's desperate and they get somebody to respond back, boy, you don't even know what kind of can of worms you're opening, okay? And so uh, Wednesday or Friday, 
Um, got a call come through. Courtney down in the daycare answered it. The lady's like left a text. I need to talk to the pastor. She was little, it was a little strange. And so like uh, literally right before I go to like call her back, out of nowhere, conversation goes from weird, need to talk somebody to we're not real. We're not real. We're not a real church. We're not, there's no real people here. This number's a robot. And, and then because we didn't respond, she had an appointment on Monday with the news and was going to blast us and all this stuff. And I was like, this is so strange. So I call her back. No answer. Call her back again. This goes on most of the evening. She responds back. And then I, I respond, this is Pastor Blackard. How may I help you? And then she apologizes. I'm sorry, I was immature and blah, 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 bad spot. So finally, it just goes on and on and on, and it's just getting really weird. So Randy finally is like, I'm going to call her, okay? So she, call, so she calls her, and I feel like that we did the most mature thing we could with what we were working with. So Randy called her, and she needed somebody to talk to, right? But we couldn't go much further with it because she was not allowing Randy to pray or she wasn't allowing Randy to ask questions to know what needed to happen next. And I share that with you just because how does that tie into the mature church? Well, sometimes I think when we avoid things, that's immature. And that's lazy, and that'll bite us in the butt every time. So if somebody's doing something wrong, and the pastor or one of the pastors or one of the leaders, if you don't say something to somebody to help correct them, you're being lazy, and it's going to bite you in the butt. It's going to hurt them. So we got to be mature. We got to be active. We can't be reactive. Everybody know the difference between reactive and proactive? Yeah, we got to be, we got to be proactive as a church to be like, hey, what are we going to do in this situation when this happens? And that's why we need to be mature. Now, you will, if you start to, to study mature elderly people, you will see that they get in no hurry for anything. They're not in a hurry to make any decision. You know, they're just slow and steady, and they wait on the Holy Spirit to prod them and tell them, and they think about it before they open their mouth. You know, young people, younger men, especially who tend who are in the process of maturing, we have it all figured out, and we are gonna we're gonna open our mouths and and we're gonna make the situation worse nine out of ten times. So we're supposed to live a life worthy of the calling, as the scripture tells us, to be completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing one another with love, another with love. Who in here would say sometimes some people are just hard, some people are harder to love than others, right? We all got those people in our lives where it's like, man, they are a goat. Anybody know what a goat is? Do what? <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, yeah. I'm not talking about Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, but <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, when I, when I say goat, when I say goat, as far as, uh, you, you made me laugh, Lisa. It was funny. I thought, I thought you said something else that I heard. That's why I laugh. I'll have to tell you. I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. So, so there's only, this is not even in the notes and I'll preach, I'll preach a whole nother message on this. But in the church, in the church, and in any setting, there's really only three kinds of people when you break it down. There's sheep who need to be protected, who need to be led, who want to be, who want to grow, who want to be in that. There's goats that go wherever and do whatever and jump the fence and ram the fence and get on your car and dent the car and eat the car, and they're not going to listen. You can't shepherd goats. 
Okay, you can't shepherd goats. Something with their, they just don't receive it. They're going to go do their own thing. And then there's wolves. Okay. I had a, I had a mentor explain that to me, and I, did, I had never heard it before. I was like, what, what do you mean, goat? I'm like, my grandpa had some goats, and I watched my dad about do something really bad to it because it jumped up on his car, then his car, and ate on his car. Anyway, it did. It chewed all over the car. So we need to make an effort to be bearing with one another in love and make every effort to keep the unity through the spirit with the bond of peace. The definition of unity is the state of being united or joined as a whole. Um, so one of the things that I think is cool that I'm starting to see happen a lot is that as we and some of you going out and you're doing things with other churches and other people and other ministries and even across other denominations, that's when some really cool stuff happens. When you quit worrying about just filling seats at your church and doing that stuff, when you start being the true body and you get out and about and you, oh man, it's just so cool what happens. Definition of peace, freedom from disturbance and tranquility, a state or period in which there is no war or war has ended. Who prefers peace over war? Okay. Right? Being in war and conflict is not very fun. So who will be honest enough to raise your hand and say, you've, who, who in here has been in a, a, a fist fight? Who's ever here has been in a physical fist fight, right? Okay, here's the thing. You all know, especially if you've been in like a dozen or more, you might win, you might win, you might win them, but nobody actually walks away from a fight, whether it is physical, verbal, emotional, Facebook, gossip, no one walks away from a fight unhurt. There's no real winner. You're going to have an injury. You're going to have a scar. You're going to have a memory of it. So like, we don't need to, we got to have peace in the church and in the body in order for us to be effective in ministry. Just think if you were if it was your first time going to a church and you walked into the church and you saw people squabbling about carpet colors and coffee temperatures and donut selection or lack of donuts or used to be donuts or I'm just saying, what's that going to make you think? You're going to want to, I'm just, I'm just being real here. We got to mature, right? There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with donuts. I personally, I just, I mean, if I'm going to eat sugar, I would, she's telling me to move on. I would rather have some, like, homemade baked goods, but that's just me, you know. So being in war is no fun. Nobody actually wins. Just think about that, okay? One God, one Father, over all, through all, and in, in all. I'm glad God, I'm glad he is flowing through me. Can I get an amen on that? You guys glad that the Lord is flowing through you? Oh, boy, I got to go turbo speed here. So he gave us the following to help us. And like I said, this is just, we're scratching the surface on this today. We're going to go way deeper with this, okay? Anybody know what the five-fold ministry is? Five-fold? Okay. So the assemblies is bringing it back. They're moving back, in a, they're moving back in a posture that this is what they know is missing and that we haven't been operating in it, okay? And that's why the church has lost a lot of power, um, and, and Jesus was, you know, things just weren't happening like they used to. 
So he gave us apostles, which is an important early Christian teacher, and the first successful Christian missionary in a country or to a people, those who spread the word of the gospel as, as messengers of God, once sent on a mission to preach the gospel. An apostle is a messenger or one who is sent, while a disciple is a student or a learner. So there's controversy here. Some people think that the apostles don't exist, and, and some people don't. The sensationists definitely think that none of this is going on, right? That the gifts of healing stopped, and all this stuff stopped, okay? So the thing about apostles is um, I've met some, but I'm, I, they don't call themselves apostle. They do the work, and then the people around them see that gifting to see that they're doing. So what comes to my mind of an apostolic type ministry as an apostle is I know a couple gentlemen who all they do, well, they do a lot of things, but one of their ministries is they just go around loving, talking, and encouraging local pastors from different cities, different denominations, and they are there to pour into that pastor to say, hey, pastor, you got anything you want me to pray for you about? You got anything you want to talk about? And they've got wisdom. And so they're kind of more of like a territory, right? And then they birth things. So that's what an apostle is. Um, so modern day apostles, they are taking the world and focusing more specifically on a particular place or people as God has spoken to them. Um, therefore, the apostle needs to know his apostolic calling to function apostolically, okay? We're going to go deeper with what that is later. Um, Definition of a prophet, a person regarded as an inspired teacher or proclaimer of the will of God, a person who speaks for God by divine inspiration, one inspired by God through the Holy Spirit to deliver a message. A prophet teaches truth and interprets the word of God. He calls the unrighteous to repent. He receives revelations and directions from the Lord for our benefit. A prophet is ordained by God. We need both prophets and pastors but if a pastor tries to function as a prophet while wearing the title of pastor in a church setting, the pastor will not last long. And here's why. Because if the Lord tells the prophet Larry Bentley to come up here, and that's what he did last week, the Lord told him to share something, and he came out here and he prophesied it about unforgiveness, right? But as a prophet, if you got the gift of prophecy and the Lord tells you to go say something to somebody, that's, that you don't want to go say it because they are not going to want to receive it. It needs to happen. So, <coughs> so I cannot, as pastor, I mean, it doesn't mean the Lord, it doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't show me or tell me what's going on, right? Because he cares for you guys and, and in order for me to be able to help you and guide you and teach you, I know what's going on most of the time. He gives me eyes to see and sometimes he just clearly tells me. Um, just received differently, and then it's turned around and given differently. So the School of the Spirit, I know Ann went, got to go to that with this. Karen was there. Michelle was there. Rainy was there. Um, this was the whole thing of the School of the Spirit with the AG is they, they were talking about these gifts, and there's such a priority put on prophecy and prophesying. And the reason is, is can you imagine, can you imagine getting up in the morning and you are depressed, suicidal, you just don't care. You're literally, you're literally one more bad thing 
from happening and you're just going to be done with it, right? And you stop at the grocery store, whatever reason, or wherever, the, the you, not even the grocery store, you stop at come and go to put gas to drive yourself where you're going to go do whatever, you're going to do something bad, make a dumb choice. And somebody pulls up behind you at come and go, and the Lord speaks to them, and they say, go tell that person that I love them. And, and like, I'm talking like, they speak so clear to you that you know that it was God who spoke to them. To th- you want to talk about that, re- readjusting your life's course? So that's why prophecy is so important. The prophetic word, prophetic worship, is that sometimes we need that to get, up, to get our attention, you know, I've shared with you guys, I've, I went, I've, I've been prophesied over several times by mature people who have, God has given that gift, and I had my, like, literally just, like, sat there and cry because it's like, man, God's working, and he's using these people to speak truth to me and hear, me to hear things that I need to hear. So, Prophets receive direction from God to help people navigate challenges and situations. In the Bible, prophets urged the people to repent and foretold the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today, prophets continue to testify of Jesus. They also warn and advise all people about important topics. Prophetic gifts include any gift involving teaching, encouraging, or rebuking others. The primary role was to make known the word of God, and this often involved calling people back to obedience to God. They denounced injustice, idolatry, and empty rituals. It was often dangerous to be a prophet. You guys already know, you know the stories in the Bible, and like I said, when we go deeper, I'll share some of those stories of what happened to some of the prophets in the Bible. You know, got put in logs and cut in half, and all kinds of messed up stuff happened to the different prophets. So you have to be aware of false prophets, a false prophet, a false Prophet, I almost said, I said prophet, thinking puppet, when I should have just said prophet. A person who falsely claims the gift of prophecy or divine inspiration or to speak for God. There are people out there who might have that gift, but they're not using it for Jesus. Sorcery and psychics and mediums and stuff like that, they do exist. Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You've all had encounters with them. Evangelists, a person who seeks to convert others to the Christian faith, especially by public preaching. If I, wasn't gonna, if I wouldn't have been called to be a pastor, I would probably want to be an evangelist. Because guess what? You know what's exciting about being an evangelist? You can just show up, give the word, hit it hard, and then leave. Galen and Peggy are nodding their head, and they're like, that's why we do it. We just say what God wants us to say, give it hard, and then just out the door we go on the highway. Bye. (laughs) So evangelist is a person who seeks to convert others to the Christian faith, especially by public preaching. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There were some evangelists. That's all they did. The one who proclaims the glad tidings, anyone who brings good news to another is an evangelist. Evangelists have the ability to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who have not heard it before or with those who have not yet decided for Christ in such a compelling way that the hearer can decide to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. So listen, last Saturday of the month, we got people from different churches coming here. We're starting to go do outreach and like, here's what we're going to do. The Lord showed me a lot of different ways we can go do this. So 
uh, we're just going to hit all the businesses. We're going to go to Walmart, stand by the doors, and just talk to people about Jesus. It don't matter. We're going to the gambling places, and we're going to pray hard, and they are not going to like us, but I don't care. I don't care. Because I'm hoping to get like a bunch of 250-pound lumberjack-looking dudes to go with me when we go pray at the, at the gambling house places, about 50 of us. We're going to pray. We're going to take that territory back. And we'll evangelize. We'll, we'll love. We'll, we, can, we can rebuke that sin and that spirit, and we can love on the people who are under the influence of it at the same time. Yeah. She's saying we got permission from the Dollar General Manager down here on Kearney to come and, um, and evangelize. And she said she'd really prefer to, well, to see you know why they're coming on Sunday night. It makes sense now. Because they're leaving there with a full belly and then they're waiting for the bus and they're going over there and they're, so we need to, we need to tell the Pope to preach a little, preach about don't go steal from Dollar General. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe we go get them $5 gift cards to give to Dollar General instead of stealing, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll pray about that. But the point is, is we're going to take the evangelism to the street and God's going to give us creative ways to do it. We can knock on doors, we can go wait in the parking lot, we can whatever, and we're, but we're going to go do it. The what? Yeah. That's the, the, Gavin, myself, Gavin, and Randy, and Nathan, we've been, into, we've been downtown doing that quite a while. It's, um, it's an, that's an interesting place. We need about 100 of us, really. But it'll happen. Pastors, a minister in charge of a Christian church or congregation, being a pastor of a church or congregation, a pastor is recognized under shepherd of God's church, a spiritual overseer, especially a clergy person serving a local church or parish. A pastor is responsible for providing spiritual guidance, teaching the word of God, and equipping believers for ministry. Teachers, a person who teaches, especially in a school or church setting, a person who helps others to acquire knowledge, competences, or values. Engagement with learners to enable their understanding and application of knowledge, concepts, and processes. One with a preaching and teaching ministry focusing on communicating biblical truth through teaching and training to see transformation. One who helps others grow in their faith, develop a deeper understanding of the Bible and Christian principles, and live out the teachings of Jesus Christ in their daily lives. Like, like Randy said, we have the different people teaching Sunday school. We're, we're getting people activated. We're getting people activated, and people, people, you can't get good at teaching if you don't get up and teach. You need to get up and preach. You know, bigger churches, bigger churches support pastors don't get to preach, Right? But that's not here. So that's why we do what we're doing, because we're equipping and giving opportunities for people to get experience. So these gifts are to equip us and build us up until we reach unity, knowledge, and become mature. And as we get mature, what is our responsibility? We need to disciple and bring all the immature ones up to the mature level. You can do that in your business model, your family model, your social club model, the church, it works in all settings. Disciple, teach, bring close, raise up. 
Verse 14, once we get mature, we will not be battered around by the wind and, and hype and, and all the YouTube preachers and teachers and false teachers and theories and whatever, right? We know what's going to happen. We know what we believe. We're anchored to it. We're tethered to it. We have a strong foundation. So speak the truth in love, and this is how the body of Christ is supposed to operate in maturity, in unity, with these gifts flowing. And so with that, I'm just going to pray us out of here. And like I said, um, you guys can start doing research yourself about those gifts, but we will teach and preach a lot deeper on that going into the first of the year. Um, and, you know, you've heard me say it before, if you feel like the Lord's given you a word of knowledge, you know, for somebody, you can always go to the spiritual hierarchy person that's in your group and you can say, hey, I want to share this. What do you think? And let give it to them and they'll say, yeah, you should go say that to them. Um, and like words of encouragement, you can always give a word of encouragement that the Lord's giving you to share to somebody because that could be spot on. And so, Lord, we thank you. Lord, I just pray that you begin to activate every, every gift that you have given us, Lord God. Lord, let us begin to flow in your gifts and just, just bless us, Lord. Bless every ailment. Bless every mind and heart today, Lord. Bring us back safely and bless the rest of this day in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. You guys have a great day.